step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Two-time Toasted Music City Best Sports Reporter. And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin behind the glass, intern Danielle in studio. We are ready to finish off this three-hour hockey block, hockey talk on 1025 The Game. I love this. I love this. Where else do you get three hours of hockey talk? I know. I love it. And I loved your enthusiasm. That was a very big, like, <laughs> deep hello. I mean, it's always it's always pretty solid. But tonight well, it was very good. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited not necessarily about the game that happened last no. night, but I'm excited about the potential future of what could be happening in the city after we get past the trade deadline. And I, I'm feeling a huge sigh of relief right now. Like there's a weight lifted off the shoulders of dealing with stupid, ridiculous rumors and people asking stupid, ridiculous oh, but questions. Those are so fun to read. <laughs> you have to admit. They're so fun to read. We are bringing back that segment. We, we brought it back last week. But you know what? We have a special NHL trade deadline edition of Dumb Things Said on Preds Facebook. We'll get that in the and last segment. I can't segment. wait. Oh, and I've not even given these to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that has these. Them. So I want pure reaction, natural reaction to what we're going to say there. We have your Q&As you know, coming up from Twitter. We have Ezra Ginsburg from Illegal Curve to talk with the NHL Jets. Because, I mean, hey... That could be a first-round matchup. I know. Who knows? Based yeah. on what we saw last night, St. Louis could be could be driving right in there and winning the division after, you know, I called them a dumpster fire multiple times earlier and in the season. And look how they retaliated. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all my fault right there. And then, obviously, our trade deadline analysis for what happened, not just with the Preds, but around the NHL, because a lot of things happened, and it seems like a lot of things happened last minute. But first, let's talk about some of these games. Now, Monday's game was hilarious to me, because... Not only is the team shorthanded, but because of the trades, because they, they traded away Ryan Hartman, traded away Kevin Fiala, and you bring in Wayne Simmons and Mikael Granlund, and they're not there yet, but they still count against your roster. <laughs> and so they called up Matt Donovan, who played on defense, fine, fine debut there. He's played in the NHL before, especially with the Islanders, but it's been four years since he's played in the NHL, and he finally got that call up, spoke with him. Then you had Matt Irwin playing as a winger, and when asked about it... <laughs> Post game, Peter Laviolette was a he's a four checker. <laughs> so it was very just interesting because you saw it was a little discombobulated out there, but they got the win against a team that has been doing okay lately in the Edmonton Oilers without Connor McDavid, but holy moly, Leon Dreisidel. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think the good thing, like you just said a few minutes ago, you know, there's the pro- there's the potential and that promise that we all can see in the Predators. And while we did not see that against St. Louis um, on Tuesday night, we saw that a little bit in the Oilers game. You saw them push through the discombobulation. Everything was a little off and they were able to power through that and and just get a win. Granted, it was in a shootout, but they got it. Brian Boyle mm-hmm. coming in hot. Um, and so that's what you want to see, especially with a team that has been on the struggle bus lately. You want to see that they can navigate through those spaces of, you know, our team is a little off today, but we're going to power through and win. So, And boy, that, oh boy. Yeah. If the power play, I don't know how many times I, I, I want to, I want to pause a little bit on it. And the reason why is because we need to see what these new acquisitions do. 
Brian Bull, I know it's been mentioned in other shows too, has done his job on the power play. The rest of the team necessarily hasn't. Now, it's looked a little bit better since Dan Muse took it over last week. Mm-hmm. So, been a little bit of a change. You speak Kevin McCarthy that was running the power play, and now Dan Muse taking that over. I still want to see more creativity. You saw more puck movement here lately. You didn't see much of anything against the Blues. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you saw, and uh, since Dan Muse took it over, you saw more puck movement, which is great. I don't want all point shots. And you've had some of these flashes of brilliance where we've seen at different points in the season where it looks like they're abandoning the game plan in a good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because then at that point, you're not predictable. You're not predictable to the defenders. You're not predictable to the goaltender. And when you become predictable, you're not going to get you're not going to get it into the back of the net. No, you're not. And that's what you <laughs> when you have extra ice out there, you pass it around until a spot opens up. And then that's where you hopefully have your Wayne Simmons, your Brian Boyle creating a lot of space around the crease by being a big body there to where the goalie is delayed in his reactions because he can't see where the puck is. And we've already seen it. Brian Bull is doing his job. Yeah. He's causing a ruckus, and Wayne Simmons is going to do the exact same thing. So I don't want to rail on the power play too much yet so we get everybody in there healthy to see what it looks like. I want to see what the Predators are looking like out there with these new additions because now they're actually going to get some practice time before they play the Winnipeg Jets. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Right there. That is huge just to get some practice time because they haven't had much practice time. And now with you're going to be changing the lineup a lot and you're going to be changing who the players are. You're changing the special teams units so much. You need some practice time just to work on this and to get the new bodies in there to work on that is going to be huge for this team. So I will save my full critical thinking on the power play until next week when mm-hmm. they have, what, three games in? Yeah, I believe. Which I, yeah, which I think is fair because you have to allow the time for changes to be made. And I think the positive thing that Preds fans can look at is that changes are being made. Um, it's not as though they just keep redoing this exact same thing over and over and they're not trying. Um, so I think as long as they continue to make those changes until it works, then then we're good for the playoffs. We but. shall see. So let's look at, briefly, the St. Louis game. Now, I don't really want to call it a 2-0 because it really was a 1-0, because of empty net. But the score sheet says 2-0. And the St. Louis Blues are really good right now. Really good. Really good. Now, does this mean, is this regression to the mean of where they should have been all season? I think a little bit of that is yes. They're kind of mm-hmm. catching, playing catch-up, because they were so awful for most of the season, yeah. to the point that they were, they were threatening to trade everybody, basically, off the team. And they finally put it together. Now they're extremely dangerous. And you have a young goaltender in Jordan Bennington, who is a man of very few words. If you look at what the Blues put out today on Twitter, his interviews are usually two or three words. <laughs> Whenever he answers a question, it's freaking hilarious because the confidence he has right now. But I don't think it's going to last. And now it could last the first round and then all of a sudden fall completely off. Mm-hmm. But I'm almost thinking the Blues might be getting hot at the wrong time. <laughs> you, well, they're, def- yeah. they're, they're hot right now, which is great for them. But can they keep it going for the next month and a yeah, half? Yeah, I mean, since the All-Star weekend, they've had one regulation loss. I mean, at this point, insane. this yeah, this team is a threat. Now, I do not know if that's sustainable, but going back to your point, what I think is that they are playing more to the level that people thought that they could. Mm-hmm. And so it's very possible that they could kind of stay, maybe not, you know, having one regulation loss since, you know, the end of January, oh, but... That they could keep this stride up. I don't know. I think that's fair to say. And it's also really weird, and I know it's been discussed so many times, too, the games in hand. The Predators mm-hmm. have played 66 games. Yeah. So even after the this, another thing, no more games on trade deadline day, please. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. It's too please. much. 
Because one, it, how awkward was it to see the intro video and the you know, players aren't on the team anymore in yeah. the intro video? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of you know, awkward turtle there. And then the programs obviously are wrong. There's so many things that are wrong. I'm talking just those are just op, game ops things that are just awkward and important to have. But then it gives players time to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when players get traded and everything, especially if the player gets traded, you know, right at the end of the deadline. With what two minutes to spare? Literally, <laughs> Wayne Simmons yeah. was official. Yeah, two minutes to two o'clock in the afternoon, and there aren't many flights from Philly to Nashville. There are what three direct flights a day on Southwest, at least, and one of them was after the game is already underway. So obviously, he was not going to catch that. But you have trade deadline day and no games. Players are able to get to their teams. Hopefully, unless you know, fiance's having a baby, <laughs> like Mikael Granlund, which is a totally, totally, obviously fine. But if un Unless there's other weird circumstances, players can get to those teams. You can get a little acclimated. Whereas Wayne Simmons met the team at the St. Louis Hotel. Yeah. Which can, I mean, that can, you know, throw somebody off, especially for their first. But yeah. it's, that's always a tricky situation. But yeah, you don't ever, you want to know what team you're going to before you're yeah. on a flight. Walking down the hallway, too. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's how many trades have happened now where the team, where the player just walks down the hallway to the, to the team. Oh, yeah. Like what's happening? The GMs are getting together. It's like, well, do you want to? I guess so. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> But the games in hand is what's kind of, is not kind of, but very concerning right now because Winnipeg has three games in hand on Nashville. St. Louis has three games in hand on Nashville. What are the point differentials? Well, Nashville's a one-point lead on Winnipeg. Nashville has a five-point lead on St. Louis. So, those three games in hand, if St. Louis were to win those, then Nashville would be in third. Yeah, and which right now, look at the pace they're on. I mean, they outshot mm-hmm. the Preds 44-19. They mm-hmm. held the Preds to... I believe it was nine shots in the last two periods of the game. It was yeah. bad. And granted, I'm not going to take away from St. Louis. They were playing a full 60-minute game, but the Preds were also just, they lacked energy. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they're on pace to continue this, so yeah, St. Louis you have had to watch 20 out. shots in the third period. Yeah. They're peppering Yusuf Saros. Yusuf Saros was, obviously, was the star. Oh, for sure. Because he was because huge he got in bombarded. That. Yeah, and he was giving the Natural Predators an opportunity to win if only they could have scored one or two goals instead mm-hmm. of hitting the post. There are multiple times when they beat Jordan Bennington, but post. There are multiple times in the game against uh, Edmonton where they beat Kois- Koskinen, post. So, hey, let's get a little inch or two to the left or the right, guys, and, and you know, put it in the bit. back of the net. Just a hair. You're so close. You're picking your corners, but you got to get in the back of the net there. Okay, and before we have to go to break two, I love, love, love how we get pronunciations of player names, especially those from Finland and Sweden and everything like that, because it is very important to us here at Penalty Box Radio. We do not like to butcher names. We do our best. We want to give the player their due, their credit, because that's their name. How would you feel if someone's always mispronouncing your name because it's just easier? Justine Braidford. (laughs) Glenn Blackward. <laughs> and it's just it it's not it's not fair to that player to americanize to quote unquote americanize a name mm-hmm. so it's not michael granland or mikhail <laughs> granlund <laughs> mikhail granlund mikhail granlund i like the role because you get Mikhail the role. It's, it's funny there's some people that don't like that you say pecorine but it's pecaline you have the little roll of the R. People are like, that's Italian. No, it's Finnish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you listen to the Finnish broadcasters, there's that's highlights of with them. Pecorini. Pecorini. It sounds that's Italian, Italian, but that's Finnish. <laughs> but that's how they're <laughs> that saying the they name. Say it, so, Mikael Granlund. 
Glenlund, okay? Try that, folks. It's important to get it right. It's the player's name. And for God's sake, please learn how to spell Wayne Simmons' last name. It ends with the D-S, not N-S. Wayne Simmons, <laughs> not Have Simmons. Have seen a lot of that? I've seen so much of it. Oh, man. Oh, he's my favorite player. Really? Learn how to spell his dang name. All right? It's very important to me. It's very important to me. It's important to the player. You, how can it be your favorite player? Oh, I've heard that before. I've heard yeah. that um, at it, the arena. Yeah, how can it be your favorite player you don't know how to spell their name? For two seasons, the guy behind me would tell every guest he brought that uh-huh. Roman Josie was his oh all-time favorite. Oh, my gosh. So. Okay. Please, folks, work on it. Get it right. It's okay. Take some time. Watch some videos. Okay. Up next, we're going to talk NHL trade deadline, our discussion about that, and something very disturbing happened in Quebec at a hockey event there. We want to bring this up because it's very, very important for the future of this sport, this game, and of humanity. We want to talk about that very first thing in our next segment. You listen to Penalty Box Radio here on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025, The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin behind the glass, intern Daniela here in studio. And we're going to continue our hockey talk here, but there, there's something about the game that it's been going on for far too long. And I know it's one of those things that there's a lot of there's a climate out there that can keep it going, and it seems to be a problem sometimes in Quebec. And that's what's crazy sometimes when you think about it. But Quebec has had a lot of issues uh, when it comes to racial remarks being thrown out to certain players. And if you haven't seen it yet. In a Quebec minor league hockey game, a former Predator draft pick, actually, former prospect for the Predators, Jonathan Ishmael Diaby, was serving a penalty in the penalty box. And this was this was in the, let's see here, this was in one of the minor league games there too. And what happened was a fan was standing right around the penalty box and over the glass, screaming racial insults at him, bad gestures, bringing up pictures of primates on his phone and flashing them to them. No one was stopping him. His family was getting berated as well. And this is completely uncalled for. So it was so bad that when he got another penalty, he actually just left the game because he didn't want to deal with it. That is absurd. There is zero reason. And what's more absurd is not just this one idiot that was doing this, but the security staff at this arena didn't ban the guy or even kick the guy out of the arena. They just made him move seats. In this day, there's video evidence of what was happening here. It's not like, oh, well, he said, she said. No, you can see what's on the phone. You can hear what's being said. You can see what is going on here. And you don't kick the guy out. That's a problem. That is a huge problem, and it does not belong in the sport. It doesn't belong in human society, in nature, or anything. you got to be better. And the thing that bothers me even more, the people around him didn't do anything to stop him. Folks, it is up to you to make sure that we keep this game alive and happy and well as fans, as players, as coaches, as anyone involved in the sport. You have to keep your fellow fans in check. If you see someone that is doing something wrong, stop them. Check them. It is on you as a fellow human to make people be better. Okay? You cannot sit around and let people get away with throwing out racial insults like this to other players. Enough. Enough. You've got to stop it. 
There were thousands of people sitting around letting his family get berated, letting this player get berated, and this guy was just going nonstop, and security barely did anything about it. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. you got to be better. Yeah, and can I just throw in that Diaby actually said at one point the security guards asked his parents and his girlfriend to mm-hmm. change the seats so that they could have a, in quote, quiet game. Yeah. So not only was his family berated, in addition to him being berated, but his family had to move their, got asked to move their seats so that there could be a quiet game, not to remove the person who was doing this. So it's bothersome on so many levels. Um, Diaby did say that he was pleased with the way that the league responded to it, mm-hmm. but in-house arena, it's absolutely unacceptable and the way that they handled it was absolutely unacceptable that guy should never be allowed back into a game like you said they have video footage find this guy he should never be allowed back in this game at all but also you should never ask somebody who is being berated for them to to pick up their stuff and move that should never have happened no and it's such a such a huge thing with the Montreal Canadiens had three tweets that they sent out about it. It's it's disturbing it. on so many levels. Very disturbing. And so we're, we're saying this because it's one of those things that, that I'm putting on you, the listener here. If you see people acting inappropriately at any level, you have to check them. Whether it's fans in the stands at a Preds game, you're at a minor league game, you're at a college hockey game, anything like that. It is up to you to keep them in check. That doesn't mean you have to fully approach them yourself. But you have to make sure security is doing their job. Yeah, and as feel well. free to go to security and go say, security. I don't feel comfortable with you not handling this. Yeah. Take it to somebody else it's and have them you. handle it. So, so they're, 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 I hate that that happened. I, I hate absolutely it. hate it. That is ridiculous. That, that is, does not belong in this game, does not belong with us as humans. Be better. Everybody's got to be better. So, hopefully, you know what? Send this up. Make sure this gets to Quebec. It's all the way down. We're talking about in the South, down here. We have a major issue with this. Be better for the game. People want to turn their noses up at hockey in the South, too. I turn my nose up at that. Be better. People in that arena right there. You, you care about the game? Make sure the game is acceptable to everybody there. Whew. Okay. Trade deadline. Bring it back to center. No. Bring it back to center. Okay. Glenn, let's start off with the Predators and their moves that they made. So first with Brian Boyle, second round pick. Then Mikael Granlund, Kevin Fiala. One for one. Granlund, Granlund still has a year left as well, which I really do like. Not a rental. Mm-hmm. And he's a proven scorer. He's con- fairly consistent. He's on track for his third straight 60-plus point season, which is great as well when you think about trying to increase your, your middle six there. And then Wayne Simmons, Ryan Hartman, and a conditional fourth-round pick moves to a third-round pick if the Predators win a round. Mm-hmm. So overall, it's upgrades. That's all it was, really upgrades. Boyle, if you want to look at it, takes place of Austin Watson and I think does a little bit better job on, on the power play, especially, that you can put him out there, too. Mm-hmm. Has that ability. Grenland is an upgrade from Kevin Fiala because he's consistent right now doing what Kevin Fiala should be doing already or be doing in a couple years. And then Simmons is an upgrade over Hartman because he disrupts. He can you know get to the front of that. And he's a bigger body, things like that. And, and obviously, he's been a 30-goal scorer before, too. Yeah. All upgrades. Yeah. I, for, I give the Predators, I, I'd give them an A-. minus. On this overall, and I'm not say, I'm not trying to degrade or anything. It's like obviously there's other pieces out there, but they kept Dante Fabro, his rights. They kept yep. Ellie Tolvanen, and they kept the first round pick. That was the point I was going to make. I mean, they got they got Mikel and they got Wayne Simmons at a price without having to give up Ellie Tolvanen and Dante Fabro, and then you're giving up 
one for one. And yes, Kevin Fiala is talented, but let's be honest, he's young, yet he's inconsistent. And mm-hmm. we hadn't really seen the best of him yet. And then you've got Ryan Hartman, who some might argue is overpriced bottom six player that you got off the roster and you're bringing in another big body to go along with Brian Boyle to help out on the power play. Um, you know, and Wayne Simmons, he's played with Laviolette before. So I think that's going to be beneficial in him moving into this system. Um, and Mikhail, I mean, he's about to be 27 years old. He is a goal scorer. He's a playmaker who's going to rack up assists. Um, and he could probably going to be one of the, the leading point scorers on this Nashville team. So all around, he is going to benefit this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in one, not just in one capacity. I think he's going to be an all-around player that's going to bump up some of these other players that that need a boost. So I think overall they did very, very well in this and not having to give up because all the conversations that happened prior to this, everybody kept saying, "What are the Preds going to have to give up to get something good in return?" Mm-hmm. And everybody was saying it's going to be really, really expensive to get something that's going to be that beneficial and. At the end of the day, it really did not cost them that much. No, it really didn't. When you think about some of the prices that are paid, mm-hmm. they didn't have to give up their their top prospect. That's huge right there, too, to give Tolvin in some time. Who knows? Maybe there's another deal. And then you think about some of the big targets, Duchesne. Well, he's most likely going to be a pure rental in Columbus. And Columbus, major props to Columbus for going all in. They now, they now have every NHL player in all teams. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only team left in the NHL. <laughs> but props to them. It, it's good for them, too, because it's showing their fans, their investors, their fans, that they believe this team can at least win a round in the playoffs. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to reward them because they know that Panarin's gone. Bobrovsky's gone. Bring some people in. They have assets, and they, they showed that. They had assets, and Ottawa showed that they're still – Horrible at trading, <laughs> but but they have the assets and everything too to do this. So why not go all in for a year? See what happens. You never know. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Look at the Predators squeaking in a couple years ago. And I know we always refer back to that, but that's what just shows the case in point of that anything can happen if you get hot at the right time. They have the pieces in Columbus that if they get hot at the right time, they could make a run. It's going to be hard <laughs> because <clears throat> Tampa Bay. It's going to be really, really hard because Tampa Bay is going, hello, family, how you doing? <laughs> From way up top the pyramid right now. We're the best in the league. The best the best players and everything. The, getting so many points is ridiculous. Uh, but I, I like what Columbus has done there. That They're going all in. They're showing it. And if you haven't read Seth Jones' latest article. <laughs> I have a you, note in my phone. I need to read that. I saw where he You need to go it. read it about him and between him and his mother. It is absolutely fantastic. To. I believe it was titled Mom Don't Read This. Yeah, Mom Don't Read This, but it's it's fantastic, a great story. And he has a lot of good things to say about Nashville and how they helped him get into the league and shows how tight that that blue line was uh, in the Predators locker room. So I suggest you read that. Okay, Mark Stone was another one that was being talked about as well, but never really much with Nashville. He went to Vegas and then signed a huge extension on that $9.5 million. No, Nashville's not going to pay that. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> is, is Mark Stone worth it? Yes. Nashville is not going to pay that. Yeah. And that's okay because they have a lot of good pieces right now, too. And, I, and having Glenland for another year helps out as well. It's not a rental. And I do think, depending on how they see how the fits are, Simmons or Boyle, I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville offers one of them an extension as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think when they get to it, just seeing who's going to be a better fit. I can't see them getting both, but one of them. We'll, we'll see what happens there, too. So, Glenn, did any other trades kind of stand out to you throughout the, that, the league? Um, I think, well, that one for me, I did not put Mark Stone in Vegas. I couldn't. Mentally, I was never there. And so I think that one took me by surprise. And I think that 
people waiting, teams that were waiting to see what move was made with mm-hmm. Mark Stone because I think a lot of people had their names in the hat for that. And so I think that I wouldn't have been as surprised if it wasn't Vegas. So that one's the one that kind of just, that one kind of took me. And then with Columbus, I think not giving up one of their biggest assets and still being able to land Matt Duchesne, that one kind of threw me off too because I really thought that they were going to give Panarin mm-hmm. um, away. And so that kind of shocked me as well that they were able to bring on one of the biggest names that in the trade talk while still holding on to one of the biggest names. So All those right. are the two that kind of threw me. Well, we're going to talk more about trades too and how they helped the divisional rival to see what the Winnipeg Jets did. And with that matchup coming up on Friday night with most likely all the new guys playing, we're going to talk to... Ezra Ginsberg of Illegal Curve. That's coming up next to our Nashville's Best Sports Talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Radio, powered by E6 and Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin, intern Danielle. I was waiting for the beat to drop right there. I just, I had to, I knew it was coming. I could sense it. We always to, start was, shaking in our chairs, waiting to drop. Yeah, I was counting the beats. Like, okay, uh, here yep. comes the hit. Here it comes. <laughs> here it All right, now it's boy, oh boy, division games coming up, and some very much deciding games. Coming up for the National Predators and how the Central Division is going to play out. So we're going to bring on Ezra Ginsburg. He's with Illegal Curve Hockey up in Winnipeg. Ezra, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So this is kind of interesting the way the Central Division is going right now. And I want to get your your take on this because the Predators have been extremely inconsistent where they'll have a good game and then a really bad game. And the fan base here is extremely frustrated because of expectations right now, what they expect out of this Predators team. And the Winnipeg Jets have kind of been going through the same thing where they could have a 9-3 victory over Anaheim at the beginning of the month and then lose 7-1 to Colorado uh, just last week. What is the What are the feelings going on in Winnipeg right now of how this team is in terms of the inconsistency just like the Nationals have? Yeah, Justin, I think there are plenty of nervous Jets fans in Winnipeg as well. You mentioned the 7-1 loss to Colorado, maybe the worst loss of the season for the Jets, but they've also lost five of their last six games and a really disappointing loss to the Wild yesterday, a game in which you know, they looked in complete control of up until uh, you know the 18-minute and, and 30-second mark uh, when Jason Zucker uh, tied the game up for the Wild, but you know, the Jets have been very inconsistent in the month of February. And, you know, even though they have the uh, three games in hand on the Nashville Predators, the Predators are up by one point, and the Jets have a very tough schedule, actually. The Jets have the second toughest schedule coming up in the month of uh, March going into April. Out of their next eight games, they play seven games against teams currently in a playoff spot. And the one team that isn't currently in a playoff spot is Columbus, who's only one point out of a wild card spot. So uh, a lot of Jets fans are nervous, and I think one of the main reasons why they're nervous is because it was just announced that Josh Morrissey is going to be out for the entire month of March, and he has by far been their best defenseman this year. And with Dustin Bufflin already out of the lineup, the decor is is just depleted right now. So even though the Jets are most likely going to finish first or second in the Central, uh, it's been a tough month of February for sure. 
And Ezra, speaking of nerves, something the Nashville Predators are now experiencing with the additions that were added to an already threatening team over there in Winnipeg. I just want, I want to get your take on the trade deadline acquisitions. How do you feel the Jets fared overall? And who do you feel like is going to make the biggest impact during leading up to the playoffs and during the playoffs? Yeah, and you know that's what everybody wants to talk about. And, and I really like the moves that the Predators made, by the way. I mean, Wayne Simmons is a player that I thought would look really good on the Jets. And you know, Mikhail Granlin makes the Predators more dangerous on the power play. So, you know, I have to say that right off the bat, that I really like the moves that David Coyle made. But when you're talking about the moves that the Jets made, they made uh, six moves total, five of which were at the NHL level. But as you uh, know, the, the biggest move was Kevin Hayes, uh, you know, big six foot five, 220-pound uh, center that had 25 goals last year. And that was one of the major trade targets uh, of the Jets. It was Kevin Hayes and, and Mark Stone, which... I, I think you guys would know that uh, there were a couple of teams after Mark Stone, or like uh, six teams <laughs> after Mark Stone, but uh, you know, Kevin Hayes is, is just quite simply going to make the Jets better up the middle, whether you know, he's, he's your second-line center or, or third-line center. He's such a talented player, a big body, and you know, even though he didn't get any points last night against Minnesota, he won, I think, 67% of his face-offs, so he, he gives them uh, a, a, another weapon in the face-off circle, and he just makes them an overall better team. And I think when you look at what Paul Stastny did for the Jets last year, you know, I, in my opinion, I don't think the Jets win that series against the Predators uh, without Paul Stastny. He was just incredible. So I think the Jets are hoping that Kevin Hayes is going to have that same type of impact, whether or not you know, the Jets are going to be able to get back to the Western Conference final uh, and ultimately to the Stanley Cup final remains to be seen. But uh, you know, Kevin Hayes is the big acquisition. All of the other acquisitions were more so depth. When you bring in a guy like Nathan Bolia and Matt Hendricks is more so just a veteran for the dressing room. But Kevin Hayes was, was the big fish for the Jets, and I think they're really happy that they could acquire him. Yeah, I think we all know about veteran in the dressing room, uh, e.g. Cody McLeod, uh, which they make a difference to the team, and especially like that, too. And Matt Hendricks, former Predator <laughs> as well, uh, being up there. And it seems like Nashville, North, and Minnesota, and Matt Hendricks going between those three cities, it seems like so much here lately. Again, this is Ezra Ginsberg with Illegal Curve joining us right now to talk about the Jets. We'll talk about Patrick Laine, how streaky of a player he is. January 13th he scores, then goes over a month and a half without scoring, and then has three straight games with goals, four goals, in three games. Is this just the how Patrick Laine is going to be, is just that kind of streaky player where he could have those months without scoring goals and then all of a sudden just produce a bunch? Yeah, I think he's always going to be streaky. I don't know if you're going to see you know complete months or, or months and a half without him scoring a goal, but I think it's safe to say that he's going to be streaky, especially in the early part of his career. But I don't think anybody saw this coming with the months that he had in November scoring the 18 goals including the five goals against the St. Louis Blues back in, in late November. I don't think anybody saw the struggles that he's had of late. And you mentioned he's got four goals in his last three games. And, you know, I can tell you that when he scored that goal against Vegas on the power play, it was almost like the entire province of Manitoba let out a sigh of relief <laughs> because Jets fans really wanted him to score. And he had so many good opportunities leading up to that game against the Vegas Golden Knights. But I think it is safe to say that he is going to be a streaky scorer, but this was a little bit of an aberration, I think, this year because Patrick Liney was really struggling on that second line, and I think it coincided with Nikolai Ehlers coming back into the lineup. Even though Liney is not playing with Ehlers on the, the same lines, he's playing with Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler right now. I think Nikolai Ehlers is his good friend, and I think he really 
plays better when he's in the lineup. So, uh, you know, to, to get back to your question, I think <laughs> it's safe to say that because he's such an excellent goal scorer, he is going to have those, you know, two, three, four, five game stretches where he, he doesn't score goals and then maybe he'll get a hat trick, you know, in two or three games in a row. But I don't think we should expect him to go, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 games without a goal again. I think that was just a, a really weird stretch. It definitely was weird because I just remember hearing on the radio how big of a deal it was when he finally scored a goal, and then all of a sudden he puts a bunch in. Uh, just the kind of player he's so scary and so talented. And and now looking at Connor Hellebuck, it's been one of those seasons where he's looked way more human uh, than than he did last year too. Is this one of those things? Where, is it confidence? Is he tired? What do you think is going on with Connor Hellebuck? Because obviously in the crease, as as we know here in Nashville, if Pecorine is not going well, the team's not going well. We've seen that in Yusuf Saros is capable, but you want your, your big buck to be able to go. So what's what's going on with Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, and that's a, a really good question as well because you know that's something that on our radio show we've talked about that quite a bit, and I imagine they're talking about that in Vegas with Mark Andre Fleury, the amount of games he's played mm-hmm. in. I think it's safe to say that Connor Hellebuck just isn't the, the same dominant goaltender that he was this year. He's had a good season, and you know, yesterday he actually played very well for the Jets. Although, you know, the the goal that was scored late was a bit of a free goal, but uh, there have been stretches this year where Hellebuck has let in the odd bad goal, and you just didn't see that last year. His numbers are definitely uh, solid numbers, but they're not in that same elite category as they were last year up there with Pekka Rene and, and Andre Vasilevsky. So I think there's, there, there isn't a reason to be concerned about Connor Hellebuck, but I think when you look at you know, down the stretch the next 18 or 19 games, I think you should expect Lauren Brassois to play a little bit more. But uh, I'm, I'm personally not too worried about Hellebuck, and you asked about the confidence as well. There might not be a more confident goaltender in the NHL than, than Connor Hellebuck, even when he has a really bad game. And he, he has had some bad games this year. He seems to always bounce back really well. So even though you know he might not be playing at that same dominant elite level as he was last year, I think he'll be all right. And, and if it does come down to the Jets and Preds in the second round, I really think the goaltending is a wash because you've got excellent top goaltenders <laughs> yeah. and the backups are, are also really good as well. Absolutely. And so you kind of touched on it right there too. And I, about the Jets and the Preds meeting in the second round. Well, I want to pose this to you because I think both fan bases are probably feeling this heat coming from St. Louis right now. What is the reaction going to be like if St. Louis jumps both teams, wins the division, and then you have a first-round matchup between the Predators and the Winnipeg Jets? Is that something that anyone would have expected back in December? No, and (laughs) I I think, you know, to your point, I think people are starting to now say, okay, well, you know, the Blues are only four or five points behind the Jets and Predators. This, this isn't a joke anymore, right? Yeah. The, the Blues are right up there. And, you know, I, I think if you're the Jets or Predators, you definitely don't want to be playing the Blues in the first round. So you want to win first place to get home ice and all of that. But if you're going up against the Blues in the first round, the way Jordan Bennington is playing in net and you know, the season Ryan O'Reilly is having, uh, you know, they're going to be a very tough out in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, there's always the chance that the Blues... Um, past either the Jets or the Predators, but I ultimately do think it is going to come down to the Jets or Preds. And, you know, I, I think you can just flip a coin because, you know, yeah. the, the Preds and Jets play twice more before the season ends, uh, Friday, of course, and then uh, again towards the end of the month of March. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to the Jets and Preds, I just think they're, uh, you know, in a class of their own in the Central Division. No, oh, they, they absolutely are. And, I mean, if anything, we're getting down to crunch time here, so uh, giddy up. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really fun. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, the game on Friday uh, is, is a very highly anticipated game. And, um, you know, I've said this before on our show, Justin, I, I think that the Jets and Preds is the best rivalry in hockey. Maybe, you know, Boston and Toronto comes close, but based on how good the hockey was last year mm-hmm. uh, in the second round, I think you're looking at uh, arguably the two best teams in the league. And, and so so fun to watch as well, the rivalry really growing, not just between the fans, but between the players. That's when you know it's really heated when both are getting involved in it. But, but Ezra, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, and uh, enjoy the game Friday night. Hey, you too, man. All right, folks. Ezra Ginsberg with Illegal Curve. They do great, great things covering the Jets up there. Not just the Jets, but Manitoba Moose as well. So they do a great job covering hockey up there in Manitoba. So make sure you give them a follow. You can see that on Twitter, how to give them a follow. Okay, up next. Dumb things said on Pred's Facebook is coming up next, and then we're answering your Twitter questions. All up next, Penalty Box Radio, Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin, intern Danielle. All right. I love bringing this segment back because you know what? We are equal opportunity make fun of us. <laughs> we'll make fun of everyone. Wait till the playoffs. We'll make fun of the other fan base. But we love making fun of dumb things said on Pred's Facebook. We used to have this game to where I'd make you guess <laughs> if it was actually said on Pred's Facebook or not. And uh, Glenn picked up a little more slowly than Ben. <laughs> we were just discussing this in the break. It took me a couple, ep- a yeah. few episodes <laughs> before I realized why Ben was winning every Because <laughs> everything was said on Brett's Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. now I know. Here we go. Let's start here. Anybody think Poyle can get a first rounder back for Ryan Bum Hartman? This is the reason why Poyle is sitting on his hands right now. This was definitely before those two trades happened that day. <laughs> oh, my God. Ryan Bum Hartman. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Should have added players without subtracting from the lineup. We traded very favorable contracts and talent for worse contracts. Hmm. Two rentals and one with one year left. Yeah. Hmm. Favorable contracts because the there's RFAs who are going to get a raise. <laughs> Fiala and Hartman are restricted free agents who are going to be due a raise. Then you have two rentals and one guy in Grenland that is going to have one year left. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's the worst. The worst. Yossi is not worth big money and sure as hell not worth the C on his chest. Is that in all caps? I imagine that to be said in all capital letters. I just, not worth big money. He, oh he's so my. close. Like he's, he's near what top, near top five in scoring defense. He can single-handedly put the game on his shoulder sometimes, but he's not worth it. He's not worth it. Especially not that C on his chest. Is that what it said? Yeah. Not worth oh. the C on his chest. But here, here, this is one upping that one. Oh. <clears throat> I believe the time has come to strip Yossi, strip being capitalized, strip Yossi of the C. Honestly, the man's no fisher, and that's what we need right now. Clearly, something's up in our locker room, and the rest of the league realizes it and are using that to their advantage. <laughs> strip oh. Yossi. Thank you for that, because I'm speechless for a second. Thank you for that. Strip Yossi, strip of, Yossi the of the C. Strip Yossi of the C, because they need a fisher. <laughs> Strip Yossi the seat. What's so funny is so many fans of any, of any fan base take the captain, ca- the captain seat to mean so much. 
folks, the captain thing is for the team. It's not for you. Like it, it means zero to you and who the captain is. It's to the team and who's going to be the representative to talk to the officials, who's going to be one of the leaders in the locker room, who is either by example or the way they talk or anything like that. It has been such a theme on Brett's Facebook to want to strip Yossi of the C because that's going to go over well, isn't it? Hey, Yoss, uh, we're going to want to extend you for eight years with a really big contract, but uh, we're going to need according, you to give it that C. According to Brett's Facebook, people are not happy with your captaincy. So we're going to give it to Joey. You want to sign? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand the whole point of the captain, the captaincy of the. You know what a captain in beer league does? Make sure you pay your dues and and that you're on this Excel spreadsheet and that you don't mess up much. Yeah, about it. Or set the lineup. Ooh, even that. I have my alternate captains do that now. <laughs> <laughs> they they want to spend that much. They're spending so much time focusing on stripping Roman Yossi of the C. And then like what. What is a what is a I mean we, I love Mike Fisher but what is a Mike Fisher gonna do that Roman Yossi is just doing so terribly shows more right emotion now. fights and then I guess what earned some respect was Yossi yelling at the official last night which with words we cannot say on air yeah but told him to go up do his, something with himself stands up for his teammates he talks to the ref after those plays and got a ten minute misconduct penalty for it too <laughs> because of it yeah with three seconds left in the game anyways dumb things said on Preds Facebook. It is a plague. It is here for our entertainment. Thank you. Now let's go on to more serious <laughs> questions that we were that were submitted to us. Has been sports asked if you could be any pastry, which would you be and why? <laughs> I'd be a beaver tail. Is what I would be. It's a good Canadian treat. I have never heard of a beaver. You've never tail. heard of beaver tails? They're no. like they're similar to bear claws, but oh. I think there's more fudge in it. Okay. They're they're enjoyable. I would be a pastelito. It's a little Cuban Ooh. flaky dough Ooh. filled with anything you want or dream of in the middle. I, I do like that a lot. It could be fruit. It could be cream cheese. It could be meat, ham. It could be, oh, man, I'm hungry. You're getting hungry? Yeah, that's what I would be. Home. I need, some, totally I need something cheese with cheese in it and outside, yeah. Cheese sticks? <laughs> All right, Project Pat Summit. Uh, the, what's your five-team no-trade list if you're an NHL player? Uh, Ottawa? New Jersey, Anaheim, <clears throat> um, let's see here, Edmonton, and ooh, this, the last one's going to be a tough one for me, Arizona. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, whew, okay, Edmonton is one of my picks. Um, Detroit <laughs> okay. is another that I would not go to. Um, I would not go to Winnipeg. I would not go to... Ugh. I'm thinking about weather. Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be in the cold. Calgary, Edmond. So Calgary, I would not go to. Calgary. Okay. So the Calgary would be my fifth. What about Winnipeg? It gets I already cold. said Winnipeg. You did say Winnipeg. Yep. Okay. Not going there. Buffalo? And I'm not. Well, I would, I would, I would live in Buffalo. Okay. It's, I love Canada, but the North. So you have like just, a 14 no trade list. That was five. Oh, it was five? Okay. Yeah. It was five. Okay. Michael Gallagher. If you could only eat one flavor of Doritos for the rest of your life, which flavor would you choose? Me would be the uh, like nacho cheese Doritos. That, yeah, I haven't had Doritos in so long, but you're missing out. I've never even had anything other than Cool Ranch and nacho. Like I've never There's tasted so any other ones. Out there, yeah, that, that specialty ones. Out so there. I would have to go with nacho. Okay, nacho, nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. Okay, it's my cheese. Johnny DeSavera. Uh, ultimately, when the regular season is done, do you think? 
Who do you think the top three in the central? How do you think the top three in the central division will finish? Sorry, I cannot read tonight. Will the Preds even get home ice in the first round? I think the Preds will finish in the two spot, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out because there's going to be so much fluctuating. I know, and I I can see that, but also right at this point with the way that St. Louis just comes out of nowhere, comes from being just trash to this. Uh, I don't know just at this trash. point. I really don't know. Uh, that's why that's why this time of year is so exciting because anything can happen. Anything so can I really happen, don't know. And anything will happen. Yeah. Uh, this one's really quick from the coachinator. If you were Lavi, would you personally break up the top line and throw Grenland in there, or would you try and play Simmons and Grenland together? I'm putting I'm putting Grenland on the second line. I'm keeping the first line together. I'm putting Simmons on the third line. Is yeah. what I'm doing. I think that's what they're going to try, but I think they're going to try different things out. I think they will try different things out, but for me, I would automatically say no to breaking up the top line just because I don't want to do that unless it becomes something that seems like a better option than mm-hmm. keeping the top line together. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'll say throw them on the second um, and just keep. I would. I couldn't. I couldn't split apart the top line. All right. Uh, real quick here. How's it going? A. Eh? Please tell me I'm wrong. People tell me I'm wrong. Saying Subban is the best defenseman. If you had to rank our top four D-men or get punched in the face by Hal Gill, which would, <laughs> would you choose, hook or uppercut? <laughs> no. Okay. This, the, currently, as it is right now, I'm going Matthias Ekholm, Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Ryan Ellis. Right now. As it stands right now, the way it's going this season, because P.K. is still injured, and Ekholm has been some superb, and Roman Yossi is producing on offense, but I don't want to say the best on defense. It's hard because of the top four. Real yeah, quick. it is hard than the top four. I'm going to choose an uppercut because he's a lot taller than me, <laughs> and I don't know if he'll really be able to get a good one on you, me. You so. want skills in a miss. Yes. All right, folks, podcasts, videos, stories, everything you need on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. For producer Calvin, intern Danielle here in studio, Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game.